With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to The Deciding Point, our Crack Rackets weekly roundup of the biggest storylines going on throughout the tennis world. Now, we acknowledge we were gone last week. Apologies from all of us here at Crack Rackets for that fact. We were on the road covering the Division I Men's and Women's National Indoor Championships. Of course, as fun as those were, we here know the tennis world never sleeps, and it has been such a fun first 10 days of the Australian Open to help recap those first 10 days, talk about our biggest storylines, biggest disappointments in both the men's and women's game. And joining me today to do just that, as he always does here on the show, you know him as our Cracked Rackets do everything. Forefather of the Forehand Slice, this week's host of the Mini Break Podcast as well, James Foster McDonald. Jamie, 10 days through this Australian Open, how are you feeling about the year's first Grand Slam? Exhausted, but uh, look, that's half the fun of the Australian Open. If you're not exhausted, staying up, doing the fun things, being a true tennis fan, then hey, what are you doing, right? My sleep schedule is so screwed up right now. And again, we have tried our best here at Cracked Rackets to recap each day's action. Jamie and I are going to be recording a mini break right after this, recapping what we've seen through the back half of the fourth round quarterfinals specifically as well. But of course, again, there are so many matches throughout the course of a Grand Slam. It's almost impossible to watch all of them. It is possible to have takeaways, though, from the first 10 days. So with that in mind, Westoff, let's get to those credits and let's get into today's. Deciding point. All right, Jamie, let's start with the women's side of the action where I think it's safe to say things have gone pretty much as expected, given the fact we still have Naomi Osaka, Serena Williams alive in this event, given the fact it was the Simona Halep's, the Alina Svitolina's, Iga Svantec's of the world pushing them in the later rounds of this event. That's my biggest storyline, is that for the first time in maybe 10 majors, the women's draw seems to have gone fairly chalk. What's your biggest storyline from the action? Yeah, well, look, I don't know. There are a couple of people who I expected to be contenders. Uh, And look, if you were in the me camp, you would have thought Muguruza was going to pull that upset and really make something happen. I think Azarenka and Kennan or a couple others dropped out early who we thought may have been contenders. But yeah, you're right. In terms of other big names, uh, we see some people who have been here before and who we expect to see. So absolutely. I think on the women's side, the takeaway for me has to be how good are the American women doing right now? I mean, not all of them, but sure, look at how many people we've had make deep runs. Rogers putting up a good fight ultimately going out to Ash Barty. We've got Brady, who's made a great run. Pegula upsetting Svitolina and doing so much, including upsetting Azarenka as well. It's been really fun to watch the American women move through this draw. 
And of course, you didn't even mention Serena Williams, who's the last American woman standing. I could not agree with you more. It is such a good time right now to be a fan of American women's tennis. It's just in such a healthy place. You have Serena Venus still at the ends of their careers. You have people in the midst of their prime. The people like you mentioned, Jennifer Brady, Jess Pegula, Shelby Rogers, playing some outstanding tennis. And then, of course, they're all the next geners on the horizon. Sonia Kennan didn't play great, but she's still got a Grand Slam under her belt. Amanda Nisimova wasn't at this event, but she's already made a Grand Slam semifinal. The Coco Goffs, Katie McNally's, and Lee's of the world. And Lee's such a revelation thus far in this 2021 season for those who haven't been paying close attention. No, I completely agree with you. The American women are the story. And I, I also have to agree, though, you know, someone like Garbine Muguruza, this, well, I'll save it for the disappointments, but even she has played so well, right? Carolina Mukova was playing well in 2020. Elisa Mertens, who's knocked out here, and Arena Sabalenka knocked out, but they made fourth rounds, and that makes sense given what we saw from them at the end of last season. So I just think overall, you know, despite the 14-day quarantine, despite all the uncertainty, we have seen the best players in the game rise to the top, and that's something to be really excited about if you're a tennis fan. All right, let's switch gears and talk about the men now. You look at who we still have remaining in the draw. Bottom half of the quarterfinals scheduled to be play as we're recording this. It's not going to shock anyone to learn that it's Nadal versus Tsitsipas, Medvedev versus Rublev competing for those final two spots in the semifinals. It's not going to shock anyone to learn that Novak Djokovic has already clinched his spot in the semifinal round. It will surprise some people to hear the name Aslan Karatsev, and we'll get back to that in our deciding point. But Jamie, when you look at how the men's action has unfolded your biggest takeaways from the first 10 days yeah look perhaps this is just my cynical worldview but for me this has just been the tournament of missed opportunities for so many different players um i I mean i feel like i could name so many but even in one little tiny section of the draw i feel like dominic team missed a huge opportunity here i know he was gassed but dimitrov taking advantage great for him well then what does he do he goes and blows his opportunity and maybe that's a little unfair to hold it against him with hip back injury he was clearly having but you know even back it up around further where curios had the chance to advance over team say he wins that he's definitely got the firepower to take out the Dimitrov then potentially Karatsev I mean so to me when I look at this section I'm just looking it's a lot of could have and should have um, but in the end you know you've still got Djokovic and Nadal coming out of the top and bottom it's like okay well here we are right yeah no I mean I think the results have gone fairly chalk again Alex Virov, Daniil Medvedev, Andrei Rublev, that next-gen cohort, uh, Stefano Tsitsipas as well, they have finally reached that point, and it happened quietly, but where you can almost pencil them into that quarterfinal round. None of those guys really tested before they got to their quarterfinal match. I know Medvedev went five sets, and Tsitsipas went five sets as well, and there's a credit that needs to go out to the American men, Francis Tiafo, Taylor Fritz, pushing Novak Djokovic uh, to the brink almost on both occasions, but... You know, injuries have been a little bit of the story. The Berrettini withdrawal we saw, and uh, obviously Kasper Ruud wasn't able to finish his match against Andre Rublev either. Is that a product of trying to play best of five sets, given how few matches these guys have under their belts here this season and the difficulties of trying to survive that format? You can practice as much as you want, but you just can't replicate uh, to the perfect extent how tough it is to get through a three out of five set match in practice. And so, yeah, I think that's one of the storylines. But at the same time, 
again, fairly chalk. If I would have told you it was Nadal or Tsitsipas, Medvedev or Rublev, Djokovic, plus one other rando, and I say rando pejoratively, meaning someone who's not a top 10 seed in the semifinals, I think a lot of people would have been like, yeah, that sounds right, heading into the event. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, Jamie, we've talked about the positives. Let's switch gears now, talk a little bit about the negatives. There are always disappointments in a Grand Slam event. And while most of our top seeds have stuck around here as we head towards the home stretch, certainly there are some players who didn't live up to the expectations we had of them coming into this event. Give me your biggest disappointments on the women's side thus far. Yeah, well, look, personally, I'd have to say Muguruza, but that's really not fair because, uh, I mean, look, Osaka, a phenomenal champion. In the context of the fact that Muguruza had that match in her hand, for sure a disappointment. But again, hard to hold it against her losing to Osaka. Um, I think for me, though, really, it's someone like a Svitolina. I know she had a very tough draw and she was going through and looking good, but... Talk about missed opportunities that I was just mentioning on the men's side. She had a great chance to really make it a round or even another round past that further into this draw um, and really take this tournament by stranglehold. Now, was she still going to be a favorite if she comes up against one of the big hitters? No. But still, losing to Pegula like that is just a tough way to go out for Spitalina. And to me, it's, it's quite a disappointment. I'm going to agree with you on the Muguruza front, Jamie, but only in the sense that that match against Osaka should have been a semifinal, final match. Those are two of the four women, in my opinion, who were most likely to win this event that we had to see it so early in the tournament, I think, is something all of us tennis fans should be disappointed about. But for me, and as great as Karolina Mukova has been, if you're Karolina Pliskova or Elisa Mertens, that's a match... They both had chances in. You know, that's a match. They just, they had their opportunities. Mukova, now Mukova's played an outstanding tennis, and she did a particularly good job of targeting the Mertens forehand. And I know that's granular, but those are two players who you keep waiting to see that deep run from. The Pliskova story goes deep, but for Elisa Mertens to get the most wins in that 2020 season, to make a run like she did at the U.S. Open, she was just rock solid, and it's because she kept beating the Carolina Mukovas of the world in 2020 a little disappointed she couldn't do it at this slam but again that that's very granular right Mukova's been playing so great and some of the losses by the top seeds have been to people like the Pegulas or the Bradys of the world who are playing outstanding tennis as well so I don't know Jamie I'm not too disappointed by anything All right, Jamie, what about the men? When you look at some of the performances, I mentioned it in my biggest storylines. We have a lot of the top seeds holding seed, making it to that quarterfinal round. So disappointments, suppose a little bit more arbitrary for this event. Who are your biggest disappointments on the men's side? 
Yeah, well, look, I think I could name a few names in that uh, Karatsev section, uh, but that's unfair, and we'll get to that conversation in a bit. I think, to me, this gets back to what you mentioned, and, and that, to me, is sort of the injury front. Um, and I know that's not a disappointment that's necessarily pinning blame on one particular player, but like you mentioned with Berrettini, with Rude, with the clear Dimitrov last night, it, it, to me, that's the disappointment just as a fan, is seeing some of these matches not played out to how they actually should be, and rather just one player advancing because of an injury. And look, that happens. You know that that's not unique to 2021, but it is really unfortunate given the circumstances and given the effort that these players have gone through to be here, only to go out due to an injury. No, that I think that's completely fair. The only two players I would point to are two Aussies in Nick Kyrgios and Alex Diemenauer. I'm only disappointed that Nick Kyrgios didn't win that fifth set against Dominic Team because how fun would it have been to see him continue through this event, particularly when there were fans in the crowd. On the Alex Diemenauer front, I didn't get the chance to watch it live. I've seen the highlights subsequently. I still am scratching my head at how he lost to Fabio Fognini. That match was tailor-made for him to win. Fognini had been pushed to five sets of the round before. Demonauer had looked so good in all of his previous Australian matches. That's the one, Jamie, that surprises me the most. Yeah, I'm with you there. But if we know anything about when people go up against Fabio, expect <laughs> the unexpected. Well, speaking of expecting the unexpected, Jamie, I think it's only fitting that in our deciding point, we talk about the most unexpected result of this 2021 Australian Open. And look, there are those out there who will say, well, look at what Aslan Karatsev has done over his last 52 weeks. I believe he's got four challenger titles to his name. He's 37-7 and overall in matches. But for anyone to have written him in as a semi-finalist at this year's Australian Open. If you did that, you would have been treated as a fool. You would have been said, oh, that's very funny. I get it. You're trying to play devil's advocate. That's never going to happen. Well, it did happen now. Aslan Karatsev's first ATP-level semifinal of his career, Jamie, is coming at this year's Australian Open, and it does feel like this lives up to the tradition, right? There's always that one funky semifinalist. You look back to when Hyun Chung and Kyle Edmund did it, or the next year it was Tsitsipas and Luka Pui. Last year was fairly chalk, but this year it looks like it's going to be Aslan Karatsev. Your reaction to his run? There's a lot of things to say here. Um, I mean, look, first and foremost, he's played some phenomenal tennis. Uh, you know, he's had the benefit of certain opponents and the injury last night against Dimitrov, of course. Uh, but, I mean, for the most part, this guy has just scrapped and he's survived. Uh, you know, he came out swinging and didn't drop a set um, in his first few rounds, which was really, really impressive, especially, you know, I think that win over Diego Schwartzman kind of made us all go, oh, man, like you just took out the eight seed um, convincingly. I thought he was going to lose to FAA. He found a way to battle back once the nerves calmed down. You know, he kept his composure against Grigor Dimitrov and really just outlasted him. The guy's playing a really, really strong brand of tennis. And at this point, I mean, good for him. It's hard to say much else for Aslan Karatsev at this point. 3-10 in, in his career in tour-level matches heading into this season. And the biggest thing for me is just his first serve is now, I don't know if it's the best in men's tennis, but it's been close to the best this week. I mean, he's winning close to 80% of his first serve points. It feels like whenever he lands that, he just is taking these 
extraordinary cuts at the plus one ball. And that's one of those things you do when you have confidence. And certainly, he will have confidence. He will be match tough when you have that much have as much success as he has over the last 52 weeks. You just have something that a lot of other players don't right now because of the few match playing opportunities there are for these professionals. And that's your match confident. You know what rhythms work for you. You're match tough as well. He's clearly match tough, but I mean... This is one of those one in 20 years type runs, right? It's so rare, Jamie, we see someone who's, let alone, you know, outside the top 100 in terms of their career high for their career, not just someone who was injured, but to see someone have this degree of success, it's it's remarkable. Yeah, and look, we're, we're at a point where we're going to have two Russians guaranteed in the semis, and it's not going to be Rublev Medvedev because <laughs> they're about to knock each other out. Hachinov is out of the mix after his straight set loss to Berrettini. One of them is Aslan Karatsev, and that's just not something that any of us were talking about. And look, you know, regarding his game, you mentioned it exactly right. He's got the confidence, and the, you know his first ball after the return comes back has been rock solid. He's been... You know, even in these matches where it looks like he's out and he's just missing balls, he somehow finds a way to win. And I, again, he was a little lucky last night, well, a lot lucky with Grigor because Dimitrov was the better player for most of the first two sets. Dimitrov won the first set convincingly because Karatsev was just spraying balls from the ground. And the second set, Dimitrov was getting way more break opportunities. Karatsev just served himself out of trouble and Grigor had a few bad misses. Then the injury came into play toward the end and, you know, it, it was over and Aslan Karatsev rolls on to play Djokovic. So, he, again, he's been the beneficiary of some good things happening, but I mean, now he's got number one seed Novak Djokovic, and you know, I, I have to, I have to think that this is where the run ends. Yeah, I mean, if he beats Djokovic, we'll be back, and next week we'll do an entire episode on the five stages of Karatsev. But yeah, that'll do it for this week's episode of the Deciding Point. Again, if you have missed any of the action at the Australian Open, be sure to go check out our website, CrackRackets.com, where you can find all of the podcasts, all of the articles, all of the videos, everything. Of course. Be sure to like, rate, subscribe, review to our podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. Shout out, as always, to the super producer, Daniel Westoff. Shout out, as always, to my co-host, Jamie McDonald, as well. But with that in mind, we hope you have enjoyed this week's episode of The Deciding Point, and we'll see you all next week. Thanks, everyone.